I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. We're here with another podcast from the BFI Network, and I'm Matimba Kabalika. Welcome back if you've been here before. And if this is your first time, let me tell you what we're up to. Around here, we work to discover, develop, and fund new and emerging filmmakers. So we wanted to bring you some of the people who hold the most influence and have the best understanding of the UK film industry. Sales Green's Matthew Bates is one of the UK's top agents. He reps world-class established and emerging talent. His client list includes Andrea Arnold, Clio Barnard, Faisal Belifa, and Ringano Nyoni. Here we talk about what it takes to catch the attention of a well-respected tastemaker. Plus, I got to meet the office dogs, Sydney and Lottie. And just so you know, this one might contain a a few rude words. I oh no, because that sounds sexy. Oh, yes, and that'll make people listen. <laughs> The BFI gets sexy. And just so you know, this one might have a couple of swear words. No, it, it might, it does. Because normally I do my little Oprah bit at the beginning, Matthew. Oprahized <laughs> me then. But it's so lovely to be here with Matthew Bates at Salescreen, and we absolutely love your offices. Thank you, I like my offices too. Gorgeous, lots of light. Um, light and quirky building quirky. with dogs. Yes, <laughs> loving the dogs, they're very cute. And also, we're kind of off the King's Road? Yes. The once fashionable, now rather boring King's Road. <laughs> anyway, that's well, where we are. So, Matthew, can you talk to us a little bit about the role of an agent as you see it, an overview of the role of an agent? I do sometimes talk to, to new filmmakers and, and discuss the role of an agent. The phrase that I, I think helps encapsulate it is that agents, whether they're agents for directors or whether they're agents for cinematographers or designers or even agents outside the film business for people like artists what they're doing is they're working with creative clients and so they're they're looking after the business side of a creative client's life so that helps a creative client spend more time being creative that's sort of overview of what agents do but it kind of breaks down into into four very separate headings of quite different things that I do as an agent this is not comprehensive but it sort of helps divide it up. First obvious thing is that we negotiate contracts for our clients. So anytime anyone is asked to do anything, a contract automatically sort of exists. I can say to my nephew, can you clean my car and I'll give you a fiver? That's a contract. So they can be very short things or they can be really complex things. Optioning rights in a screenplay is a 
long, detailed document. And the obvious, obvious thing that we negotiate is money. How much is someone going to get paid for the work that they're doing? An agent knows what ought to be in a contract, knows what money is right for certain types of work, and so we negotiate. The next thing which is very different but important is we give a kind of career guidance. We can take a step back and do an overview of where a client is and where a client would like to go and try to help find a path to get there. Strategy and tactics. What else? We do a sort of... That's the dog coming into the room, if anyone wanted what that noise was. Uh, hello, dog. Uh, we actively promote our clients. For our writers and directors, relationships and being known in the industry is important. And, and so we go out there and we tell people about our clients. But also, people come to us and say, tell us about your clients. Uh, and finally, the thing that we do, which is um, also quite interesting and useful, is that we give a creative feedback. It can be from anything from a phone call discussing a, the seedling of an idea through to reading somebody's completed first draft of a script. What I try to do with my creative feedback is to, to try to prevent people heading off down blind alleys with new ideas. If I can see that something's just there's just not a market for it or somebody's got off on the wrong foot, there may be something really interesting in a theme in something, but maybe they just haven't found the narrative to drive it forward. Somebody, just, just to try not to have people waste too much time and expectations, that's one thing to do. But also, agents should be a very sort of soft place for clients to discuss ideas or to have someone read their work early on. We should be much less daunting set of ears than a producer or a commissioner or something that we ought to be very receptive and open to new things and not daunting so those those are the sort of four areas creative feedback promotion career guidance and contractual stuff that's kind of what agents do under the banner of looking after the business side of people's lives such an exciting job <laughs> like lots of jobs in timber <laughs> A lot of it feels like 97% versions of admin. 1% really exciting. The exciting admin, because it's like, it's admin for people you've chosen. Yeah. I mean, Maybe it's the 20 years of doing it. Yeah. No, of course, it's all, it's so varied. I can imagine. But I mean, it's quite interesting because you, all the stuff that you've, been talking about I, I was just saying to Marie before we came that I was at an event on the weekend and I was talking to this guy and he said I just I'm not with my agent anymore and I just need an agent I just need anyone and I was like hmm okay and I often meet people like who have that feeling like I just need an agent and I guess for emerging filmmakers especially when you've done a short that's had a lot of attention and stuff like that everyone's like okay agent I need an agent mm -hmm. so what advice would you give to a filmmaker in that position Having just run through all the things I do and making them sound quite interesting and useful, it's difficult for me to say anything other than, yes, I can see why people feel they need an agent. But I, I at that stage, somebody who's get, had a short is attracting a lot of attention. I can see the helpfulness of an agent, but I get, I, I'm slightly conflicted and about the sort of urgency of it. And that does vary from case to case. And this, I'm so not categorical about this, but sometimes I think it's not unhelpful for new filmmakers 
to go out there and fight a few battles themselves. And I think sometimes that exercise is quite helpful. And I look at my clients and it's clear that quite a lot of them fought those battles and worked their way through without an agent um, before I came along. And, and I've heard it said, and, and I've been thinking about it since, if you're getting into the world of feature film and you know the film that you want to make, then you need a producer who's going to make it happen. And an agent can't make it happen. They can introduce you to people who can make it happen. I think that's the best advice I've heard. It's interesting when you were talking about all the jobs that an agent does and lots of agents have quite a few clients. So if you've got all those roles to do for quite a few people. You need to be focused on new people. New people, again, it's impossible to use these generalizations, but they take up a lot of time. If they're not taking up a lot of time, it's probably a question why, because you need to put a certain amount of energy into them. You're not going to reap any re financial reward for that time for really quite a long time. And there's a numbers game in this. You know that if you take people on at an early stage, quite a lot of them for whatever reason, they're not going to get to the point when they're going to be making you money. You know, there's too much life stuff and luck that happens from, from when somebody, say, has got a very good short through to when they're actually making money. How do people survive financially? Do they stay living in this country? Do they marry a millionaire and find they're never going to work? You know, too many things happen along the way. So an agent taking someone on at an early stage has in the back of their mind we may never get to that place where they're making lots of money. We can all work hard towards it, but this person may not go on to have a career. Which brings me on nicely to talking about your client list, because it's brilliant. It's not massive, it's brilliant. And I'm interested to know what it is that you're, what you personally look for when you take someone on. The earlier stages, well, at any stage, there are probably three boxes which subconsciously, or even sometimes very consciously, I need to have ticked. The really obvious one is that sort of understanding that this person has an extraordinary talent. They have to be talented, and that talent has to be extraordinary because the world in which we work is not a huge world and only the unique, surprising, powerful voices are going to really punch through. People love those voices, and as time goes on, it doesn't mean to say I'm boxing myself into a corner of only having weird niche art house people that those clever people people love them and they will have them do much bigger commercial stuff down the road so a strong voice another really crucial thing is is a sense of commitment and reality about the business that they're going into because as i've said it's really unpredictable and harsh and slow so in the early days if i think someone doesn't grasp quite what a difficult world they're going into and isn't up for that fight then I have a big question mark about them. But you can see from what they've been doing, whether they are engaged in that world already at some level, whether they've already begun to sort of make their own connections and meet people and, and really embed themselves in that world. Quite good to be unrealistic, but wildly unrealistic about <laughs> what's going to happen. A bit of unrealism kind of smooths the, <laughs> smooths the bumps. So those two things. The other thing which is worth people having in their heads... Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Is that the creative industries like screenwriting and directing are profoundly collaborative. And so what I also look for is somebody who I think other people will respond to on quite a personal level. And if I don't respond to them on a personal level, then, then again, alarm bells ring. Because I, I know that what really, really helps is that somebody is going to be what the Americans call good in a room. <laughs> <laughs> that, that people are going to want to see them and, and invite them back and think, oh, goody, it's so-and-so's coming in today to talk about the story ideas. That will just be productive and enjoyable. So I do look for that sort of ability to get on with people and be enjoyable to be around um, and, and energetic and inspirational just as a person. It must be really important because I think it's, it's almost like you've prepped because every time I'm about to ask you the next question, you kind of lead into it. Which... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I promise I'm not looking at a piece of paper, Matimba. Much... <laughs> it's, it's about that client-agent relationship and how that relationship works on both sides in yeah. terms of the expectations. Can you talk a bit about that? Yes. Well, um, again, like, like lots of things I've been saying, that there's no golden rules and, the, and, and every client has a very different relationship with every different agent. But I think there's a sort of bottom line, which is that relationship between client and agent over time is surprisingly close. It's a relationship that depends heavily on mutual trust because you're deeply involved in the nuts and bolts of people's lives. When, when, it, when somebody gets to the point where they've given up their day job and they are making their living through writing or directing, I know precisely how much money they are earning when and how. Because of that, I probably have an idea of how pressing their mortgage payments are, what their family <laughs> lives are, how many children they've got. You know, all of these things you kind of you don't mean to, but you you find that that just on that quite sort of day to day level, you're involved in their lives. So there's that side of things, but also you're making career decisions together. So if you don't trust each other, then you're going to be thinking, well, he's just going off beam and making stupid mistakes, or the, the a client may think of me, well, Matthew reckons I ought to go and work with these people, but actually, I don't really believe. <laughs> what he's saying why would he know so there's a trust about decisions and, and there's a trust about decisions too. I, I, I say 
I need X amount of money for, for you to be doing this job. If they think I don't believe in Matthew's ability to calculate my fee, then they'll always wonder whether they're being paid the right amount. I mean, all these things are very kind of basic. Um, so so it's a, there's a deep level of trust between agents and clients. You're quite a central cog in their kind of day-to-day -day life, and, and, and you're in touch with them quite a lot about any number of aspects of their work, um, and sometimes even sort of work blends sometimes into home life, um, inevitably. Um, so it's, it's quite a sort of, uh, it's a business relationship, but it's one that's... Um, that it has a lot of trust between people. Like a marriage. It's not like a marriage, Matilda, <laughs> because slightly ruthlessly, at six o'clock on a Friday evening... You don't <laughs> care anymore. Unlike, none of my clients should be listening to this. <laughs> American agents, I see them emailing all weekend, and occasionally I will, of course, if things need doing. But Well, that's it's another interesting job. thing. Because like, Americans have, like agents and managers I mean it's like a whole it feels like a whole different beast would you say it is a different beast in America because it's a bigger world the money's much higher the stakes are way higher it's a machine that functions in an entirely different way to the UK machine and if we're talking about UK film industry compared to Hollywood they're not really comparable Hollywood is a massive well-funded machine that, that works in a quite a specific way whereas with the best women in the world, the UK film industry is just a bit more random. <laughs> and is more passion-driven than financial-driven in lots of ways. No one goes into the creative industries in the UK thinking, yee-hee, this is the way to make my living. But plenty of people fight their way into the post-rooms of CAA because as an agent at a big agency, you can make enormous amounts of money. But that's just one element of... of the American business, there's lots of money to be made in America, and so the, the thing works differently. And people in America are brilliant. Yeah. They're very committed and very clever. Not that we're not all very committed <laughs> and very clever over here, but, but that, you know, they really sort of function at a high level. I, they impress me. But I think something that you said earlier goes back to the point, because I mean, you look at someone like Andrew and you say, you know, you choose someone like that because of their absolute brilliance. And that just translates into somebody who's world class in yes. every way, who kind of cuts across. So, yes, I, uh, there, uh, there have been times earlier in my life as an agent when I have wondered whether my natural interest in the more distinctive voices m has meant I might be building myself into a corner. But time has shown that the people who look really Id idiosyncratic are actually people who everyone loves. So just, you know, at the moment, for example, Andrea Arnold, who's, who's a fierce independent filmmaker, if I wanted her, if Andrea wanted we could have her directing any television show in America. Um, she, she has just directed episodes of Transparent, which is an amazing show and is probably absolutely in the bullseye of, of the sort of television Andrea be doing but that's one thing and uh, yeah I also look after an extraordinary Greek director Yorgos Lanthimos mm -hmm. who's utterly idiosyncratic but again particularly because he's got very uh, energetic American representation the breadth of offers that he gets for film and television is really fascinating 
And is that, I mean, you don't have to name names, but has there ever been somebody that you thought, oh, I really wanted to represent them and it didn't happen for whatever reason and you think... Uh, yeah, I'm... <laughs> oh, definitely. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of agents out there and in, in the UK and they're clever. And, and I don't resent when... Well, I'm always a bit cross in that inevitably competitive way. <laughs> but... There are really good people out there doing really interesting work and I would enjoy working with them. So, yes, all the time. No. There also must be stuff that didn't work out and you think, oh, actually... As agents, you're approached all the time by new people and, and you just have to think there'll be, there'll be some that get away. Again, you kind of look over your shoulder and think, oh, they're making a film now. <laughs> If I'd really sort of put my foot down, I could have been representing them. You'd drive yourself mad doing that. And what about, I've been asking everybody to talk about, to kind of throw out a challenge. I keep using the word gauntlet and I've got to stop. I'm out of control. And Marie said, are you going to say gauntlet? And I said no, and now I've said it. It's happened. Okay, the gauntlet. The gauntlet for, for emerging filmmakers, because I guess because you've been doing your job for such a long time, you get to see people coming through and, you know, yeah. what do you see as, what would the challenge be? Gosh, it's a really good question. It's a bit pathetic the way one always has a sort of touchstone film or title in one's mind any time, but I say so the thing that's in my head at the moment is Tangerine. There's no reason why a British filmmaker couldn't get out there and do something as surprising and bold and cheap as tangerine so does, is that does that answer your gauntless question i don't know how matthew's banished it but it all sounds planned because during this podcast we've mentioned tangerine i talk about tangerine all oh, the God, time well then, well then, but then we've obsessed. become cliches then we've got to find something <laughs> less obvious so, but I do think I, I do think you know you see that film and you see the energy and you see that you, you just come out of it and you kind of yeah you feel it's great I mean, no one can see what it's I'm full doing of here, it? it's full of imagination it gives you a boost of energy somebody's just rolled up their sleeves and said okay Love I'm it. going yeah. on absolutely and I'm just going to make something and that's the challenge it's a big challenge but sometimes you know who dares wins really less timidity, less trying to predict what's going to work, and more, fuck it. I couldn't agree more. I think I'm going to, I wonder if there could be Beer by Network merchandise. Less timidity, more fuck it. I just think that's what we, we need. I think they'll let us into the black tie screenings I with that so. on our black. We could get some t-shirts made. It's, it's a done deal. <laughs> Thank you so much. That's, that's the end of my questions. Good. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you I hope so it's much. not uh, that. I do my disclaimer because <laughs> this is only my way of looking at things. Other people will listen to this and say that's nonsense, and but fine. Other people see things in different ways. No, what's going to happen is you're going to get approached by everyone now who wants you to represent <laughs> them, and they're going to come with these wild. Excellent. Bring it on. <laughs> Thanks to the musical talents of Rory Dempsey the BFI Network team and producer Marie. We want to know what you think of the podcast, so tweet us at BFI Network. Bye for now. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. I, it's like a different person. I feel like, you, I feel like you're seeing me naked or something. <laughs> like all my madnesses are coming out. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.